Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Growing up, my neighbors, um, farmers, and uh, it was the Burkholder Farm. That's just down the road from where I grew up. And as a young boy, I spent a bit of time on that farm. And um, I don't know who did it, but someone painted words on the door of that barn. It was a big, you know, one of those big, huge sliding doors on a bank barn. Um, well, that door, didn't matter what position it was in, it always had these words. Look out for your tongue. It's in a wet place and liable to slip. I have never forgotten those words. And it was, it was like one of those big old billboards. You know, every time I would be at their house, it would be right there in front of me. It was a great reminder that, um, that we have this propensity, no matter our age, to say things that we sometimes regret. Watch out for your tongue. It's in a wet place and liable to slip. The writer of Proverbs in chapter 21, verse 23, puts it very, very plainly. He says, watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. Hmm. It almost sounds like James wrote that particular proverb. What I note right now in this era of um, life is that public uh, discourse has lost uh, every semblance of civility. There are pockets of civility when we have conversation in public by our politicians, by those that govern our world. Um, there's some civility, but sometimes it's really hard to see it. And one could say, that that is a result of what we, the people, uh, have decided we would put up with. And one could also say that that is an indication of the heart condition of our society. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, as, our, as I was growing up, it seemed that, like my parents had a very firm grip on the words we were allowed to say or not say. And um, as I got older, uh, my speech is like, it became like a gateway drug. You know, when, you, when you're around people, and, um, you know, I was pretty, pretty straight kid. And um, then I started hanging out with people that had different ideas about the words to use and the actions to take. And I capitulated to what the popular kids that I was hanging out with did. And so for me, it was a, like, 
beginning, I made this decision, unconscious decision to begin using certain language. And as I used that certain language, some of my other moral, my moral compass began to shift. And pretty soon, it was now okay to do all kinds of other things. And eventually, that led to drug and alcohol abuse. And I look back on that and I look at it as a, like my freedom of speech in that moment, that I got to do all these things, had some serious repercussions. Fast forward a number of years and I'm a new Christian. I have gotten myself uh, into a, uh, situations where I had great people that were speaking into my life. I resolved that I would follow Jesus with all my heart, soul, and mind. And then I got to be around people that were older than me, older Christians, well-meaning folks. And then I heard, because I became very tight-laced again, like my speech came, came back to what it originally was. And I refused to use language that, or speak words that uh, were not going to bring glory to Jesus. That's how I thought. And then I got around people that had been Christians for a very, very long time. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing them use language. And I'm like, huh, okay. Maybe this is permissible. Have you been following Jesus for a long time? Do people look at you? for guidance in the way to live. Sometimes we do things unconsciously. We kind of morph into what society around us points us to, and we become what we don't want to become. And then we become a leader of people, and we speak words that other people hear and pattern their lives after. It's a scary thing when you begin to think about that, the responsibility we have. So this morning, I'm wondering, when it comes to your speech, what trips you up? If you're the cussing type, what pushes your button? What starts the flow of words? What loosens your tongue? And how quickly does that happen? How quickly after something occurs, do you jump into a flow of words that you'd like to just pull back in. It doesn't take very long. If, we're, if we have a propensity toward anger, it doesn't take very long. I wonder uh, if you've ever thought about how embarrassing life would be if there was a direct open line between your thoughts and your mouth. I mean, we just had greeting time. How many of you said, pleased to meet you? And in your head, you're going, I just want to sit down. I don't care about you. Now be real. Great job today. Oh boy. He really sucked it up. You're blurting out loud everything you think about. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? It would be for me. And I think if you're honest, it would be for you as well. Open your Bibles. Let's go to James chapter 3. Uh, 
And James picks up in chapter 3 where he uh, kind of left us off in one, uh, chapter 1. In verse 19, he said, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And then in verse 26, he said, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. James makes some really harsh statements in these scriptures, but I believe he knows that we won't take it seriously unless we understand the magnitude of the problem. And so he gets really in our face as he writes these words. So we'll pick it up in verse 1, James 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, verse 2, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could can also control ourselves in every other way. Responsibility. This is a big leadership is a big, big responsibility. In the days of the Jewish community, they, uh, in the Jewish community of that ancient day, they were uh, especially interested in having their boys grow up to be teachers. They were, that was a coveted position. It was a position of authority. It was a position of leadership. It was a position that people looked up to. They had great expectation for what their the, the, their boys could become if they could become rabbis of that day. What James tells us, though, is that leadership requires more of us. If we want to be leaders, if, we're, if we have leadership capacity, we are required to do more, to be more conscious of what comes off of our lips, to be aware that we create the culture in our workplaces. People follow what you do as a leader, as a teacher. Sometimes we have a very um, misguided thought process when it comes to leadership, when it comes to being a, a teacher. Sometimes it's because we want to be seen. Sometimes we want the status. Sometimes we have a deep desire for recognition. Are we ready for the responsibility that follows this? Because the words we speak and the lives we live have great influence. We make a big impact. We don't want to be those people that Jesus pointed to, the religious elite of his day. In Matthew 23, he said, So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. So if you as a leader, if I as a leader am teaching one way and living another, basically, do as they say, don't do as they do. We've all heard that saying. That's not what we want to find ourselves as leaders, as teachers. One of the other reasons that I believe James speaks to this so much is that, is, is that uh, we as teachers, we as leaders, we have to use our mouth. We have to say words. We talk. We use the power of the tongue to move people from one place to another, to encourage people or to discourage people, whatever the case might be. We all make mistakes, he says. It's sort of like he's given us a, just a little bit of a pass saying, yeah, but we're all human. We have eight muscles 
that control this tongue. They don't always do a very good job, right? The problem is the mind controls the tongue. And what is in the mind is usually going to come out if we're not careful. James says that we, uh, we all stumble, we all sin, we all fall short of the mark. And the person who is never at fault in his speech, never commits sins of speech, is a perfect man. And that person would never sin in any other way either. So basically he's saying, I know it's impossible, but this is the goal. This is where I want, what, what I want you to live into. To be completely sinless in this world is, is impossible. But to grow in spiritual maturity certainly is possible. And it's an important gauge. Our spiritual maturity is an important gauge of this ability to control our tongue. James continues that if we could just control our tongue, we would be in control of our whole being. I look at it this way. This morning's message is titled, Tame That Monster. If we could have enough self-control to tame the monster, we would also have enough self-control of the rest of our life. And sometimes we use, we use the control that we have, mis misuse the control that we have as leaders to control the people around us. And if we have enough leverage, we might be successful at a certain level. But... Any attempt at morality or self-control really has a short shelf life if that attempt is not infused by a higher goal than just, I just want to be a good person. This is especially true when it comes to taming the tongue. You know, it's been said that morality is the, uh, make it, morality is, this, is the constrained capability for mayhem and malevolence. Let me say it again. Morality is the constrained capability for mayhem and malevolence. In other words, if I'm a good moral person, that constrains me from creating chaos in my life and in the life of people around me. But I'm here to say this morning that if, if we have self-control, then we have the ability to actually bring life into situations, not just like control the chaos. Let's get beyond just controlling the chaos. Let's have an actual change of heart all the way to the depth of us. If we're constantly concerned about, am I controlling myself appropriately in this situation or that situation? Listen, there is a time for that. We all live in, a, in situations where sometimes we just need to step back and recognize that self-control is the thing that I need to exert right now. But if we're going to have sustained joy and peace and love and mercy and grace in our lives, it requires a whole lot more than just control in that moment. It, it requires deep deep work all the way inside of us. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Unless the heart is changed, we will continue to live and say the things that come most natural to us as human beings, which is often 
chaos and destruction. Jesus says we are overcomers. And when our heart is changed, we are overcomers, which basically means we are victorious, we prevail, we are conquering. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, Revelation says. The tree of life is eternal life. Eternal life, we often talk about it here. It doesn't have to wait until some day far, far away, but it can be right now. Eternal life begins right now. We live into who Jesus has called us to be. James 3, 3 to 6. Let's go there. So now he says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. I used to have a pony when I was a kid. And that pony had a little bit about this wide. And I was a little skinny little kid. That pony weighed many, many more pounds than I did. And yet I could control that pony with that little bitty bit in his mouth. A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body, and it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Lahaina, Hawaii just had the devastating wildfire. And I kind of looked at some of the things that happened leading up to it. And there were pockets of fire at different places. There was a hurricane at the same time. And so the winds started whipping up. These fires in and of themselves weren't going to do a lot of damage. But the wind whips up. And all of a sudden, what started out as a little fire over here and a little fire over here, and a little fire becomes a wildfire that is out of control and burns the entire town of Lahaina up. The tongue is like a fire. Setting wildfires is what the tongue often does. When we, when we gossip about someone, and we're just having a conversation over here, and it's just a little me and you, and I'm saying a few things here that I really don't have any business saying. I'm, I'm not allowing my self-control. I'm not allowing the Spirit of God to control what I'm saying. I'm saying a little bit over here. And then you're over here, and you're having a little conversation too. And by the way, someone else is over here having a little conversation. And by the time this all happens... We have a wildfire that happens because no one is in control of their tongue. Everyone is just saying the thing that comes to mind. And the gossip that happens destroys people. And it only starts out as a small little fire. But pretty soon it becomes a complete wildfire that is out of control. You know that a few words spoken in anger can ruin a relationship that's taken years to build. Have you ever had a relationship that was super solid? Man, we love each other. And then the moment that something happens, we say the words that we want to bring back to retract and we can't. It's out there and the fire started. Words spoken in a moment 
can ruin a relationship that's taken years to build. Again, Jesus says in Matthew 23, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. There's so much power in the words we speak. We used to, Brenda and I, uh, years ago, we owned a, a cleaning business and we had uh 30 some people that worked for us in the cleaning industry. And when we, when, we, when we bought this business and began to grow it, I realized that they needed to have more of a purpose than just like cleaning your toilets, right? Like no one really wants to do that. So what is the purpose behind that? What is the greater goal? And one of the things we talked about was the blessing of being in a house that has, the people have entrusted us with the keys. We have the, the key codes. We have the security alarms. We have all this information. The blessing of being in that house is a great, great responsibility. Now, we want to be a blessing. And unfortunately, sometimes we came off as a curse to people. Sometimes it was because of the attitude we brought into the space. You know, you can do that. You can bless people by bringing a positive, great, godly attitude into a space. You can change the atmosphere of a room by how you bring yourself into that space. The words you speak really matter. You can curse or you can bless. It's your choice. You can think positively or you can think negatively. It is the mind will, will, the mouth will speak what the mind has given it to speak. It's really significant that we as followers of Jesus are mindful of the words of Paul in Romans 12. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When our mind is renewed, the tongue will follow. Only when our mind is renewed will our heart, soul, and mind, or will our heart and soul produce pure speech. Verse 7. James 3, verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh, fruit, fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Here, James shifts almost uh, unnoticeably from discussing the power of the tongue to a discussion of its uh, perversity. Uh, I love that word perverse. Perverse, it, it means behaving in a way that is unreasonable or unacceptable, often in spite of the consequences. So no matter what the consequences, sometimes I'm just going to say something because that's what I have to say because that's how I feel. You know that in Genesis, God gave us dominion over animals. 
God gave us the ability, he charged us with reigning over the earth, which includes animals, every created being. We are in charge. We've tamed animals with little things. My little dog, Oscar, he wears a little collar around his neck. He's tamed with that collar because he knows a mismove may result in a beep, which might be followed by a buzz, a little vibration that makes him jump up in the air. We don't have to use it very much anymore because he's been tamed. Unfortunately, humans have lost dominion over themselves. We've been given dominion over the earth, over the animals, but we have lost dominion of ourselves. Therein lies so much of the world's problems. You look at the wars and rumors of wars. Why? Why do we continue to live in chaos? Because we've lost dominion over ourselves. My dad had a saying that was uh, something like, um, don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. James just addresses this. He says, we can speak highly of the Lord. We can say all the right religious words. And at the same time, we can also speak horribly of his created image, the person created in his image. Don't speak out of both sides of your mouth is what James is pointing us to. And by the way, we should also note that when James writes this, he's writing to the brothers and sisters in the church. This isn't an issue that he's addressing out there. He's addressing it to us here today. When he says no man can tame the tongue, he's simply saying no human can subdue the tongue. Only God can. I think James probably writes this so that we have perspective on the horrible monster that we're contending with. Ultimately, an untamed evil tongue is a byproduct of that evil heart. Because when we're surrendered to the Holy Spirit, you know how fast we want things to change? Let me just suggest to you this morning that when we surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit, when we allow the power of the Spirit in us to inform how we act, how we speak, how we connect with people, that over time, the fruit of the Spirit's going to appear. I heard Bill Johnson recently uh, put it this way. He said, remember when the angel came to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the angel declared that she would give birth to the Savior. You notice nothing changed. No one knew. Mary knew. She accepted the promise. But over time, she began to waddle a little bit. And her stomach expanded. Think about this in your own life. The Spirit of God comes on you. The Holy Spirit begins doing his work in your life. And sometimes we want results really quickly, especially the church. We want, we want movement. Come on, come on. We want movement. 
You just received Christ. You need to behave differently. You need not to do that thing. Sometimes the signs are not evident until the Spirit continues His work. It's a progressive journey. This, there's a theological term called, called progressive sanctification. It simply means over time. God continues to do His work in us, and we must be patient with ourselves and with other people. So I have an assignment. Actually, I have a couple. A couple assignments for this week. I don't know if you've ever tried this, but I'd like you to see if you can go 24 hours without saying any kind, unkind words about someone or to someone. 24 hours. I'd love for you to track that. Tell me how it goes. Monitor your conversations and note every time you say something negative about someone that is not present and record what others do uh, and also record when others do this and know your response, like how you feel when you're in that conversation. And don't try to whitewash yourself right now. Like just act normal. If you don't normally have those kind of conversations, good on you. Awareness though. Sometimes we're not aware of the words we use and the things that we say. So for 24 hours, try it. Try it. Okay, and I have five filters through which to take some of these, uh, these processes. So, first one. Do I have good motives? So as you have conversations this week, as you monitor the words you're using, you might consider, do I have good motives? Are, are, is what I'm saying beneficial or is it selfish? Is it beneficial or selfish? Number two, does it build up? You, go, you guys know words are not neutral. Words mean something, both negative and positive. They either tear down or they build up. They're either hurtful or they're helpful. Number three, is it confidential? If someone tells me something in confidence, my job is to make sure I never tell another person. Is it confidential? I believe the Proverbs says, keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. <laughs> if this person I am speaking about was present, would they be pleased with my words? That's number four. Would they be pleased with my words? We've all heard this one before, but its importance can't be overstated. We have to honor people, whether they're with us or not. And number five, is it true? Truth trumps everything. If it's not true, don't say it. Look, all of us have struggled at one time or another with any of these filters, maybe all of them. And uh, none of us actually ever uh, regularly pass all our words through them but they will help us guard our tongues against speaking evil. And when we guard against speaking evil, we, give, we have the freedom then to speak good into people's lives. So would you stand with me as we close our time together?
As God looks on you this morning, what he sees is his child, his son, his daughter. And just as you wouldn't look at your son or your daughter and say, you are such a loser, God doesn't look at you and say, you're a loser. He doesn't think you're unlovable. He doesn't uh, think that you're not capable of doing things correctly and right. He calls us, he calls you and I, an overcomer, a beloved of God. A, he sees a bright future filled with hope and mercy and grace. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is out of Jeremiah. We've heard it in ver many versions over the years. But it's worth noting that these words were given to Israel when they were in captivity in Babylon. They had lost hope. They saw no future. They felt like God had forgotten about them. But the Lord was saying to them, and he's saying to us this morning, I have not forgotten you, and there is a future. It's our responsibility to lean into Jesus, though, and believe that a renewed mind is a life filled with the power and anointing of God. So we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We walk daily under the control of the Holy Spirit, and we renew our minds by the memorizing of Scripture. It's one of the ways. And so assignment number two, this is number three. First, you're 24 hours, right? And then you're using the filters, and I'm going to ask you to memorize some Scriptures. You want to renew your mind. You want to think differently. You want to think thoughts that are of God. Then put thoughts in. Learn things. Learn scripture and allow that to bathe your mind, to bring about the righteousness of Christ in your life. James 1.19. Here's the first one. And I've got them all on one slide so you can take a picture and you don't have to go back and say, I wonder what he said. James 1.19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And finally, Philippians 4.8, so keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning that this word that we have heard this morning, uh, the words that are inspired by, uh, by you and came out of uh, through James, God, this morning, we just are grateful for it. We're grateful that we don't feel like, we don't have to feel like, man, I'm on an island here. Like, I'm the only one dealing with words that are unrighteous, words that are unhelpful. No. God, you've created us. And we are the Imago Dei. We are living in your image. We are the image of God that you created. You said, let us create man in our own image. And so as we stand here this morning, as we hear this word, as we, as we consider our own propensity toward evil words, words that don't build up, but words that pull down, would you forgive us, Lord? Forgive us for the, for the ways in which we have, not, we have not lived uprightly, for the words that we've spoken in haste, the words we've spoken in anger, 
God, we ask you to forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Holy Spirit, would you uh, do as you've been doing all morning? Kind of just move us. Move us toward your high calling, which is to be leaders and people of influence that bring righteousness into every space we walk into. May we be people that others look at and want to emulate their lives after, not run away from. We want to be sticky people, people that not only stick to the word of God, but our influence is sticky. People want to be like us. People want to represent um, the good that is in us. Let us be a people who don't hide our light, but that let it shine so that others could see our good works and glorify you, our Father in heaven. We thank you for this time this morning, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've had prayer ministry up here uh, already, but we're going to offer it again uh, because I don't know about you, this subject of the words we speak is a subject that is applicable and um, really difficult in the human experience. And so I'd invite you to come and get prayer. Get, let someone pray for you and um, just pray blessing over the words you speak for the, for the days to come. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.